You're listening to audio from Plank Row Harvest Church located in Crossville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about our church and its various ministries, please visit our website at www.plankrowharvest.org. This directory, uh, Amy and others, maybe I couldn't even tell you who all, BJ, uh, Ray, are trying to get a little church directory thing going. And, um, and so they want you to go back and check on that, make sure your information's right. I, I had to move tables. They had it on this, but it's over here on the right. And in this shoebox thing, these are the things we're looking for. If you want to go ahead and start purchasing those things, you can drop them off. Uh, whatever else we need, well, church will get. And we're going to do 100 boxes this year. I see. I thought it was more than 100. Um, the cost of shipping has gotten really out of hand there. And um, anyway, that's what we're going to do this year. So you can go ahead and start bringing those things. And... Um, uh, you can come up here and take a picture afterwards. It's kind of small writing there. And uh, anyway, the spiritual battle of Sunday. I, I, we're going to study on Jesus. Who do you say that I am? But this morning I was driving into town and then talked to two different people. And while I was going into town, I, 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 one of the girls that I was picking up, um, they're in a spiritual battle. The, and, and how many people, no, I'm not going to make you raise your hand. How many people had a throwdown in the car on the way to church? I'm just kidding. If you had, remember the back in the day with the kids, if you've never experienced that, Sunday morning, that's where it's at right there. It's hand-to-hand combat from the time you get up, then you get them in the car, and then you drive to the church, and then you get to the church, and then there's tears and bloodshed, and you got to wipe up all the whatever, and then repackage everything, and then come into the church, right? And then you have to, oh, how's your, oh, it's great, I'm doing so great, everything's, you know, and then you get back in the car. By the time you leave, you're in better shape than when you came usually, but is something about Sundays and the spiritual attacks that occur on God's people on Sundays. And uh, so I just want you to know that I'm not unaware of those things. And I think some of that is, I, I think it's largely spiritual in nature, in, in a negative sense. Part of it's our flesh, and we're just selfish and prideful and hateful. And we take it out on one another, you know. And then we bring that inside the church building, and sometimes we sit there in the seat, and it takes us the first half just to get the emotions in check. And then whatever was said in the second half, maybe you heard it, maybe you didn't. Or you're still coming up with a rebuttal for your wife for the ride home for whatever happened on the way, right? And that is, I, my grandmother, she's a good Pentecostal girl. And she had a spirit for everything. There was a spirit of dissension and a spirit of discussion and a spirit of commission. and I mean, she had so many spirits. I wasn't, I never could figure out which spirit we were under attack of in that particular moment but there was something to that spirit of dissension spirit of anger um discord and when you bring those things of the world you bring it inside the fellowship it's it kind of flows from person to person and sometimes there's a, a a bigger sense of that than others but i just wanted you to know that uh those attacks are not um uh, unique to you they happen to all people and God gives us the tools with the working of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, uh, the, the salvation from Christ, and the different spiritual gifts, and in, the, and in the fruit of the Spirit. And of all those things, you have the tools to handle the battle. Now, whether or not you choose to unsheath the weapon, that's, that's really on you. But you have the weaponry available to you. It's just whether or not you apply it. So, um, so you came in... Uh, maybe spiritually abused, I don't know, maybe you had a great morning, maybe I'm speaking to one person this morning, but I know I'm speaking to some and some aren't even here, that I know this is an issue and has been an issue 
And one, one time somebody came to me and they said, you know, we really noticed that, um, uh, you know, the Spirit of God is just not in here anymore. I said, okay. And, and, but immediately, right before they had told me that, another man come and told me, he goes, man, I am so grateful for this church and the Spirit of God that's on this place. So you've got to be careful that what's happening in your life isn't affecting your mindset like all people are in the same doom and despair that I am right now. You've got to be careful with that. Know that God's working on different people at different times in different ways, and that when His Spirit is removed from here, you'll know, because we'll be down to about three people, and everybody will be packing heat, right? And they'll be shooting at each other. It's so crazy, that Montenegro thing, and I've told you before about the church of Ephesus, and then Pastor Tony went back there to Ephesians, and it was, a, I mean, the city is how many million people, right? In Turkey. And they had, at the time, at this time, they had 15 Christians that they knew of in, in Ephesus in that day. And they had three churches because they couldn't get along. So three churches of five, or maybe 14, one and one, I don't know. But the problem was, was the people were taking the, the dissension, discord, and negative whatever of the world, and through hardness of heart, they were bringing it into the fellowship, and it was flowing out onto other people. And with 15 people against millions of Muslims that wanted to see them dead, 15 believers couldn't get along. That's a tragedy. May that never be said of our place. So, you weak-minded bunch of dirt, fellow dirt, who do you say that I am? Man, we're going to be in Matthew 16. We've been talking about the names of God, and I pray that you're encouraged this morning as we read through the Word and study the Scriptures and are encouraged that of who do you say that I am? Each person has to analyze this in particular. Jesus makes it very pointed in this, we'll see. But each person has to answer this question. And it doesn't really matter who you say he is because he is who he is. I am that I am. That's his name, right? Who was, is, and is to come is his name. However... For your relationship with him to be fully developed as a believer, or even as any kind of Christian, you have to have the right answer of, who do you say that I am? Because there is a correct answer, but you have to answer it individually, each person. So we've been working on these names of God for a while, and I think we need to work in the New Testament a bit. We've been working on the names of God as far as God the Father, or maybe God of the Old Testament, or, or God Most High. Um, but the name that is so critical and most powerful for us is the name of Christ Jesus. And to begin on this thought, we've got to understand that, and I was talking to somebody the other day, you know, a lot of people, it's, it's not like, it's this man right here in the front row, his name is Jedediah Moses Smith, right? Is it that the correct order? Okay, that's his name, right? But it's, his name wasn't, you know, so he's got a first name and a middle name and a last name, Right? But we look at Jesus Christ and we're thinking, his name wasn't Jesus Christ, like of the Christ people, you know, Daddy Christ. And I'm not trying to be funny, but it, his Christ isn't his last name. It's his title. And so I want to help you understand that. And actually, Jesus is not really his first name. That's the name we know him by. So let's look at that for just a second before we get too far off track. Um, I suppose he would have been more commonly called uh, Jesus bar Joseph. He would have been Jesus, the son of Joseph right? But more than that, um, it would have been that Jesus is a transliteration of, of Hebrew into Greek, into Latin, into English, okay? So it's a, it's a little bit of a stretch there. His name would have been closer to Yehoshua or Yeshua, 
And it's really important that you know this because uh, names have meanings in the Bible. So you need to know this. Yeshua, then later converted to um, Yeshua, and um, and then Jesus ultimately would come from the Greek that Iesus. They had no J, that which went to the Latin Iesus, and ultimately gets to English and it's Jesus. Okay, so we're calling him by his nickname almost by calling him Jesus. It's not necessarily wrong, but I just want you to know that. And then that word Messiah from the word Hamashiach in the Hebrew, and it means the anointed one, the one, the one we've been waiting on, that one. So his name should be Yeshua, Yehoshua, Hamashiach would be the right name, the proper name. It's kind of interesting to think about because if you look at the Bible, and a lot of times they'll say, well, who wrote, what, what language Old Testament? It was Hebrew, what te- New Testament in general, Greek or Aramaic. Could be an Aramaic one in the Old Testament. But there's a lot of the New Testament books that were in Hebrew as well as Greek, quickly converted, right? But somehow over the centuries, they never converted the names of all these Roman guys. Caesar was still called Caesar, Pilate, Pilate. You go way back, his name's still Pontius Pilate, right? But for some reason... Uh, Paul, his name was Shaul, and for some reason they converted from Yeshua or Yeshua to Jesus. I don't know. You can go dig that one out and figure it out. There's, there's, I'm sure, some harebrained scheme behind that, and some guy thought it was a brilliant idea. But for whatever point, I want you to, to ensure, I want you to be sure that when you're praying to Jesus, and this is, don't, just follow me here, that you're praying to Yeshua. Because many people, the Jesus that they are praying to is not the Jesus of the Bible. And this is how this works. And you can see it. The Jesus they speak of is the one that allows them to be whoever they want to be. And he's just all love. And there's no critical analysis of any decision. He just accepts you how you are, whatever you think, all your lifestyle choices. All love, lacking in any kind of wrath or judgment or anything like that. He only gives health and abundant wealth, no matter what. And it's to that Jesus that they pray to. But I tell you that that Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. There is a different Jesus, and that is Yeshua Hamashiach. So not to get you too confused there. But his name was Jesus. And if you go to Matthew uh, 1, verse 21, you'll see why his name was Yeshua. They told The angel told Mary, I want you to name him this name. Why? We're going to see here. But his name is Yahweh is salvation. Yahweh is salvation or Yahweh saves. Okay? Yeshua. Um, You shall call his name Yeshua or Yahashua for he shall save his people from their sins. It's really important to know that. Um, Jed's name, I just happen to know this. But um, because Pastor Elias, the first time he came, his name is Jedediah. Many people call him Jeb, not his name. That's Mr. Clampett. His name is Jed, which is short for Jedediah, which is code name for Solomon, like King Solomon. Okay? So he's got, his name could have something related to do with wisdom. You know, Jedediah is a different name than Solomon, right? It has a different connotation. But, and it's kind of a similar thing going on there. So you just need to know, you got to know the Savior's right name. And I want you to know his name is 
Yeshua. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified. And I'm going to read this. I'm going to read some scriptures this morning. So I want you to keep these words in mind, okay? Yeshua, Yeshua, Hamashiach is Messiah, okay? So we're going to read some of these scriptures that we've read before, and they've plugged the word Christ, okay? So the word Christ, same word as Messiah. So it's Jesus, we sing the song, Jesus, Messiah, right? Yeshua, Hamashiach, Jesus, Messiah, Yahweh, uh, uh, Yahweh's salvation, the anointed one. That's his name. Okay? That's his technical name, code name. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Hamashiach, with the Messiah. Is no longer I who live, but Yeshua who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with the Messiah. It's no longer I who live, but Yahweh who saves, who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. If Jesus Christ lives in us, then I'll, what is it, Francis Schaeffer, right? How then shall we live? Back in the day, he wrote that book. If you ever read it, it's not a big book. It's good. How should we live? If we're saved and we have christ indwelling in us how then should we live you can go and read that one um we've been doing uh vinnie and i've been doing this bible study um new life in christ we're in the second series and the one that we we did this last week it was about jesus christ and it was called uh, christ our example and in that it said um uh it, it kind of broke down i mean it's just a quick you know each week's like an hour and a half right of, of study time and in another hour and a half to kind of go back through it but he they broke down his his nature or his being his life's action into these things love humility and service compassion courage to confront wrong and prayer and maybe we could come back and look at this sometime and and you're not going to narrow the life of of christ down to five things you're not going to narrow the work that jesus did into you know a few things that you can really just put your finger on and this this is what he did and this is all he did I mean, he was alive for 30 33 years more or less and uh, and in that uh he accomplished many things he satisfied many prophecies and all these things so there was a lot going on there um you're not gonna you're not gonna cover it in one message this morning or in a series of messages or whatever but we need to uh probably go back to these and revisit them as we kind of figure out the messiah angle but the first question that we have to know as each individual person is is who do you say that i am so let's read this scripture real uh first i'm gonna say real quick but i got in trouble for reading too fast so i'm gonna slow down and read it slow start at matthew 16 and uh, we'll go to verse 13 to begin matthew 16 13 It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am, the Son of Man? Who, I'm sorry. Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He says to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are thou simon barjona for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven and i also say to you that you are peter and on this rock i'll build my church and the gates of hades shall not prevail against it and i will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven 
And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Um, there's a large number of people that exist in the world today that would know the name of Jesus. Now, I have run into a number that have never heard the name, but as far as in the United States of America, for the most part, people have heard the name of Jesus, but it has zero influence on their life. And I'm talking about Christians, but primarily unbelievers, but I'm talking about Christians as well. You need to measure this in yourself. Uh, Ray Comfort, whenever he uh, is interviewing, he's a real good evangelist, whenever he interviews people, he'll always say, have you ever taken the name of the Lord in vain? Have you ever taken God's name in vain? And inevitably, almost, that means almost always, if I could say the word, inevitably, almost always, they'll laugh first, and they'll go, well, of course everybody has. And then, and he'll say, well, that's called blasphemy. He, and he'll say, let me ask you this. Would you take, what's your mother's name? Mary, Susie. Well, what if we used her name as a cuss word? And they get serious, just like they're ready to fight. Well, would you use her name as a cuss word? Why not? And they always say the same thing. Because they honor their mother. They love their mother. They know. He said, what about the God who created you? And he told you not to take his name lightly. Why would you think it would be okay to take his name lightly over your mother's name? I mean, if you honor your mother, how much more the God who created you had a plan for you, had a design for you, gave you the gifts and abilities and skills that you possess in your life that allow you to walk around and breathe air and see out of your eye holes. What about that? How could you not understand that it would be much more important to know him and to honor him than your own mother? And a lot of times they'll sit there like, yeah, you're right, I, I've been wrong in that. Um... Well, tragically, many believing people, and we've talked about this recently, I know, but I'm going to go over it again for those that weren't here, but many believing people, I get them from people, they, they'll send you a meme or they'll have a joke, and it's even maybe a really gentle joke, but they'll invoke the name of Jesus into their humorous quip, right? And they do it without even thinking. They're like, well, however they do whatever. Even the what would Jesus do thing. And then they kind of twist it, you know, what would Jed do or whatever. You know, they, even in the twist in that, you know what it's supposed to say. And then you kind of twist it up a little bit to get a, a cheap laugh. You need to be very careful about that. In the Old Testament, the blasphemy of the name of God was worthy of stoning. That's what you were supposed to do. And um, God takes his name seriously. And he begins that commandment with thou shalt not. Take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. It's not just in, um, in joking with his name or using his name as a curse word, but it's also in making statements such as, I swear to God, X and so is true. And Jesus covers that in the word. He says, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't bring God's name into earthly things and try to attribute honesty or truthfulness in yourself by invoking God's name into it. Be honest, be truthful, be whatever, and... And then don't bring God's name into the equation. It's best, if you're going to make a covenant, like marriage, and you're going to bring God's name into it, you better be careful. And so, I mean, I'm not saying I've never done it myself, but what does this say about us? As we look at this verse, when Jesus talks to Simon and the boys there, and he says, who do you say that I am? Because if you know I'm God, and you know that I am that I am, that I am, then who do you say that I am? How are you going to relate to me 
knowing that I am. And I'm not trying to beat up anybody that's here, but uh, to ask yourself this, and I want to go over this question a number of times because the more I read it, it's one of those verses like, and I've told you this before, we, Renette and, uh, was telling, or one of her friends was telling us about this church service, and they had called this guy out of the crowd, the preacher didn't show up, and they're like, hey, I need you to fill the pulpit tonight. And the guy was like, ah, turns to Malachi, and he, can a man rob God? And he gets up there and he's like, he doesn't know what to say. And he goes, can a man rob God? Can a man rob God? Can a man rob God? Like puts the influ- you know, the inflection or the emphasis on a different word each time when he gets done. He's like, that's all I got. Like close the book and sit down. This verse is like that. Who do you say I am? But who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Each time you say it and you put an emphasis on a different part of the sentence, it opens your eyes to your to the answer that you need to be able to answer. Or the question you need to learn. Who do you say that he who do you say that Yeshua Hamashach, who do you say that he is? Um so who do men say that I am? If you went on the street and you asked people today, who, would you, who is Jesus Christ? And I've seen Comfort do that a thousand times. And they'll say, well, you know, he's a good moral guy, good teacher, he's a prophet, he's whatever. He's the guy, he's the guy on the cross that people wear. The guy, like this demeaning, like any Joe Blow could have been put on there and done the same work that I am could have done. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a tragedy, a tragedy, and we just, it's from ignorance, right? It's from ignorance because believers no longer speak publicly about the hope that's within them. But these, these guys answered, um, John the Baptist, dead at this point. Elijah, dead, or gone. Uh, Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. All these guys are, these are all dead guys, or, or disappeared from the earth. Elijah goes up in the chariot of fire, but the rest, they've been put away with by the people. And he's and, and they they say that and at the time they're like well they just don't know. I mean even the even the disciples are saying or the apostles um, I mean obviously you're alive and those guys are dead and you never invoke their name though you may quote them you never said you were Elijah or John or or whoever and it couldn't be John the Baptist John the Baptist already been killed and then he then he flips the switch on them there. Uh, because, well, they'd seen the I am. Who do you say that I am? They'd seen all that. I'm the bread of life. I'm the living water. Uh, I'm the door. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Um, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the light of the world. I'm the true vine. They'd already seen him declare himself to be God in different I am that I am. I and the Father are one. They'd already seen all this. They'd heard him say these things. It's kind of... The, the story is wrapping up here by, by chapter 16 of Matthew. The story is wrapping. I mean, we're getting closer and closer and closer to the cross. He's already been with them a couple years here, two and a half years maybe. And it's, it's winding down. And they've seen him do miraculous things. They've seen him do all these things. The reason people said that, John the Baptist, they'd seen him pass through the waters of baptism. Or Elijah, they'd seen him raise people from the dead. Uh, they'd seen him, you know, um, uh, meet with Elijah and Moses were on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, they'd seen him heal. They'd seen him weep over Jerusalem. 
They'd seen him preach with power. And uh, they understood and they knew that there was no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. They understood that. But in their minds and in the minds of the people, there's a way which seems right unto a man and the end thereof is death. And, and some of these, these people that had said, some say John or Elijah or whatever, these people were on the way of death. And Peter, when he, when he pulls it all down, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Peter says, uh, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Other people, the people in the, of the world had seen Christ do a lot of these things. They'd seen him do miraculous works. They'd seen him uh, deal with the Samaritan woman. They'd seen him deal with the, the woman caught in adultery. They'd seen him deal with the uh, Syrophoenician woman. They'd seen him deal with the centurion. They'd seen him deal with the, you know, Cornelius or with, uh, uh, or with the different, with the, just the different people that passed through his, his realm there. They'd seen it, the lepers and the healing and all those things, but they couldn't answer this question, who do you say that I am? They couldn't answer it correctly. Peter answers, thou art the Messiah, the son of the living God, Yeshua HaMashiach. He was not a dead prophet from the past. He, he wasn't like on a farewell tour right before the resurrection, you know, Jeremiah coming back and he's going to preach repentance to the nation one more time. He wasn't that person. And it wasn't till after the resurrection that these people began to realize what his name meant. And this is why I think the name is so important for you. Go to Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Peter begins at the beginning and begins to tell the crowd who this Jesus is, who this Yeshua is. And as he gets through the, the list there, you get to verse uh, 36. He gets through this list. And he starts like preaching for real. Like before he's shown them what they've done. But then he makes very clear, and this is where we miss this in the Bible. These guys are Hebrew understanders anyway. Okay? Therefore, verse 36, 2 verse 36, Acts. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Yeshua, Yahweh is salvation, whom you crucified, both master and and Hamashiach, both Master and Messiah. This Yahweh is salvation, whom you crucified, is now both Master and Messiah. Now look at verse 37. When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what should we do? What can we do? We have messed up bad because they didn't understand before because before he was Jesus bar Joseph. He was just a guy. Like Hispanics use that word Jesus or Jesus for a, for a, a boy's name. But they don't really think that the boy born in southern Mexico um, making $3 a day working, picking coffee beans, they don't really think he's the Messiah. They just like the name. But these guys, these guys knew that the name was Yahweh is salvation. 
And when they was when the curtain was jerked back, <laughs> the curtain was jerked back, and their eyes were open. They're like, "We just killed our salvation." And then they were like, "What can we do?" They were cut to the heart. You know that in the in um, in the Gospels where it says the people begin to gnash their teeth when they realize what they had done. They're sitting at the cross, and it says they begin to gnash their teeth when they realize what they had done. You know, it gets dark and. And, the, and God most high speaks, and Jesus gives it up, and um, um, Lama, Lama, Eloi, Sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he, and he gives up the ghost, and the Lord speaks, and he gives up the ghost, and it gets dark, and even the centurion's like, oh man, we've just, this man was the man, was the son of God, we have, we have erred greatly. And the people that are sitting there are like, oh, oh no, we have, we have messed up bad right here. When the people's eyes were open to what they were doing and what they had done, they were cut to the heart, realizing that they had killed their chance at salvation. I don't think that we give the Messiah the honor we should give him because I think we forget what his name is. Yahweh of salvation. He sent salvation and we're as responsible for his death as they were. And we blow by that part and live our lives how we want to live because we don't realize that we killed the Savior. We're as guilty as they were. Our sin was on there just like they, they, their sin was. Peter said to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then those who gladly received this word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. It's a big deal this right here, the sudden understanding of the fact that every name has a meaning struck those guys to the ground. And we see that more than once. We see it with the Ethiopian eunuch. He's not a Jew, but when it's explained to him, he's like, I need to be baptized. I want to be baptized right now. Well, I can't do that unless you, I believe. I believe. Put me in the water. Uh, right now. I, th this, this name above all names is the name that brings salvation. And when we see it, when we see the position of humility that we should have below this name above all names, this position of humbleness and lowness that we should have, we realize that without him, we can do nothing. We need him. We need to know his name. They, they had assaulted either by action or by apathy. Either they took a part in putting him on the cross or they took a part by not acting and stopping him being put on the cross. You understand? So we do the same thing. Lack of inaction is the same as action in hard times. And when they, when they realized what they'd done, they were just absolutely in shock. That's, this is hand over the mouth right there. They were cut to the heart. Oh, what have I done? Uh, this one pastor got in some got in some grief here recently, and I noticed that a lot of the videos I, I watched the little video when he had to apologize to the church, and he couldn't keep from putting his hands over his mouth, and he was ashamed, and that's what we do. We put our hands over, you know, when we discover that we've been caught, you know, we put our hand over our mouth. It's just a natural thing. But Deuteronomy five twenty six, there's a number of psalms, and I think I want to go back to that and and um, and and dig into that 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 living God, the son of the living God, 
We need to work on that word living God, but we'll work on that another week. But what have we done? What can we do, these guys ask, to remedy what we have done? And this is the, this is the most excellent point to begin with as a believer. You can flip back to Matthew if you'd like. This is the best point, place to begin as a person, as a Christian or non, is to begin with what have I done and what can I do? When you recognize that you're responsible for the death of another, what have I done and what can I do? Um, Jesus answered him and said, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Peter had been loyal to Christ up to this point, to the Messiah, to here. He'd been loyal, but so had G Judas. Judas had been loyal. He's following him around. He's living out in the woods, and he's doing whatever he does. Whatever Jesus is doing, that's what he's doing, right? He was, he was loyal as well. And that's where this question comes in. But who do you say that I am? Peter had an understanding of who he was. Peter answered, and though it looks like he answers for them all, he can only, he can only answer for himself. Every person has to answer this question for themselves. The, I, I've heard a thousand times, I've gone to houses, the, you know, drug houses or whatever, and you go and talk to them, and you're trying to encourage them to understand that, that they need salvation, and they'll inevitably begin with, my grandfather was a pastor, my dad was a preacher, my grandmother was a, you know, she always prayed for me, and that's great, you're doomed. Because there's no grandkids, there's only children of the Most High God. There's no grandchildren. Every person has to answer this question, who do you say that I am? And if you can't answer it in this way, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart to God, raise him from the dead, you will be saved. You. Not you and your kids, not you and your household, not you and your father. You. Each person responsible for their own sin, which was a blessing on the Jews when God said that you're no longer responsible for the sin of another. You're responsible for you. And you've got to answer that question. Who do you say that I am? Go to... Uh, or I can read it to you, and we'll go to John 8, 10, and 11. But there's two scriptures um, that we need to look at there. Go to John 8, 10, and 11. But, but know that this revelation to, to Peter, it says it was from the Father. Blessed are you, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. The revelation was a work of someone far greater than just Peter following uh, Jesus around. And this is the thing to remember. There's a lot of really good people out there on this earth. Really nice people. Um, very helpful people. Um, I'm truly, in Cumberland County, you can say what you want and you can have your opinions, but I promise you, any man here, that if your wife breaks down in the seediest part of town, used to be considered brown town, but I know we have some brown townians here today, but used to, whatever, you break down in brown town, some old country boy or country woman with about three teeth is going to pull up and try to help your wife get her tire fixed or jumpstart her car. And they're not going to harass her, not going to give her a hard time, not going to rob her, but they're going to get her going. And we would say, oh, he was a good old boy. He's a good old boy. Ah, oh, he's a good old boy. Help anybody. But the things that we do in the flesh, the things that we do out of our own uh, righteousness is but filthy rags. It has to be covered by the blood of Christ. The Father reveals the Son, who in turn reveals the Father. 
I and the Father are one. What I do, the Father would do. I listen to what the Father tells me to do, that's what I do. Now you listen to me, you do what I tell you to do, and it's the same as doing what the Father tells you to do, not me, Christ. <laughs> you didn't, he didn't just discover, Peter didn't just discover all these things from hanging around Christ. He was observing, he watched him, he went with him, he was willing to die with him and for him. But it was the revelation of the Father, the working of the Holy Spirit, that broke the hardness of heart in Peter and helped him to understand that you are the Hamashiach. You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Deuteronomy 5.26 is well. You'll find that foundation verse there if you want to um, write that down. But So here it is. My Father brings this understanding to you. So we see in the Old Testament often a lot of people pick up that God the Father, he's this wrathful God, he's judgmental, whatever. Okay, maybe. Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Yeshua HaMashiach, Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There's no more condemnation. No more condemnation. Why? Because of who Jesus Christ is. Who do you say he is? Is he your Messiah? Is he Yahweh saves? John 8, 10, and 11. There, here we have this lady, the woman caught in adultery, right? And she's thrown on the street. And we talked about this not too long back. She's thrown on the street. Whoever's got the, the guilt, no guilt, you can cast the first stone. Turns out all these guys were uh, adulterers as well. So they leave. And Jesus says, woman, who has condemned you? She says, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I'm the light of the world. The following verses there. Um, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. There's no condemnation with Christ, but you've got to know him. You have to be under the blood to be safe. You have to be able to answer the question, who do you say that I am? You've got to answer it correctly. You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You've got to know that he is one with the Father. Right after those verses there in John, uh, the Pharisees try to question the truth of, of, of Jesus' claims, and he testifies of himself to be the one true God. And here's my last big scripture for you. It's in Philippians. If you go to Philippians 2, 5 through 11 there. And so, who do you say that I am? So if you say, well, he's the Christ... He's the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Well, what does that mean for you? How then shall we live? Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you. This is, this is the verse, I think, that kind of triggered the thought in me of how our mind is assaulted on times when we're supposed to worship with one another and how our spirit is assaulted because the world, the flesh, and the devil, those are the things that beat us up, right? But we carry that flesh around with us all the time, including our mind. And it really depends what we put into the mind that gives us the opportunity to develop thoughtfulness and, um, and, a, and a clean mind is easier to think with. One that's been corrupted by things of the world, I was telling, or Renetta was asking me, we got family staying with us, make sure you visit my cousins there, the nicest people on earth from the great state of Kansas, but and all their three monkeys there. 
But um, so you get people around, you know, and, and another guy's standing there in the cabin at the house. And, and so, I, you know, I had to work on this where I could find the time and stuff. She's like, well, did you finish the service for Sunday night? If I get those two messages duking it out here in this simple mind of mine, there's no telling what you think it's crazy now. You get those two working it out, and there's no telling what you'd hear. But, uh, but we have to have this new mind, this new conformed mind, this one that's been cleaned out. And it's now been filled with the Word of God. It's been filled with the Spirit, God, Christ dwelling in us. We're dwelling on these higher things, no longer on the things of earth. We've got to watch the things that we allow into our eyes and our ears and so on. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Hamashiach Yeshua who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form, of a, the form of a slave and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Yeshua, Yahweh is salvation, every knee shall bow of those in heaven and of those on the earth and those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Yeshua HaMashiach is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you can catch what I'm trying to, to throw you this morning, it's this, that when we, when we put the name Jesus out there, it's almost like a nickname if we forget what it means. If I just call him Jed all the time, you assume that his name is Jed. I mean, he can even sign legal documents with the name Jed. But his real name is Jedediah Moses Smith. His real name is Yeshua Hamashiach. Yahweh is salvation. If I am following Yahweh, who is salvation, my life should look differently than maybe the life that I lead now. It should have a different appearance. But i got to remember what his name is. Just like with God the Father, and we looked at his name and his, and his affiliation with the God who goes before, the Lord is my banner, the Lord is my healer, the Lord is my strength, the Lord is my rock and my foundation. We say those things, but if we really believed it, if we really knew it, if we were really you know, studying on those things, our life would look differently than it likely does a lot of times. Our responses to people would be different because... When I see someone harm me emotionally or with words or physically, I have to go back and look at this verse where it says, He made Himself the King of the universe, creator of all things, made Himself of no reputation, took the form of a slave. They didn't like the word slave. That's why they made the word bondservant back when they were printing this out. Slaves, I mean, slave, you don't have a choice with the slave. Servant, you kind of got to, I mean, servant's like, you know, bring me my coffee, you know, Jeeves, and he comes in there with a nice suit. Slave is rags and, you know, clean my toenails. That's slave. And he has to do it. It's a little different. Jesus, son of the living God, lowered himself to the point beneath men. And he served men. He made himself of no reputation, but his name and his action was Yahweh is salvation. And he became obedient to the point of death. And so you're saying, well, that, that offended me. That hurt my feelings. I can't believe that guy talked. I will never speak to them again. Jesus 
made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a slave and coming in the likeness of men. He was holy. He was perfect. He is holy. He is perfect. He took off his perfection of form and put on the body of a man. The body of a man does foul things. It hears foul things. It, it gets sick. It gets stomach uh, bugs. It gets the flu. It gets glaucoma. It gets the eye boogers, whatever those are. I'm sure there's a name for them. It gets those. It gets the green things in your nose. It gets those. The body of man is, a, is, a, a, is an ugly thing. And Jesus took himself from perfect gold, beautiful heaven and came in the form of a man and allowed men to do whatever they wanted. It says, the Bible says, he did not commend himself to men because he knew what men were made of. So he didn't give him his, he didn't give him his heart, so to speak, but he gave him his body and allowed him to do whatever they wanted to do with him. And then it says, for you to be Christ-like. So that means you should commend yourself not to men, not your spirit. Don't give your spirit, don't give your heart to other men to destroy. Give that to the Lord. And then allow men to do whatever they want to you. And in that, make yourself of no reputation among men because there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. So if I condemn you, it doesn't mean anything. But if God condemns you, you're doomed. But with Christ, there's no condemnation. He'll remove the condemnation of the thing or the people, whatever they say about you, whatever they think about you, it's irrelevant. Because with Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. With Yeshua, Hamashiach, there's no condemnation. Therefore, now, no condemnation to those who are in Christ. You've got to be in Christ Jesus. But if you're there, no condemnation. It really doesn't matter what anyone says about you. It's important that you be godly. It's important that you're honest and that you're truthful, that you're you know, as, as best as you possibly can do, you know, obedient to the, to the, to both the law and the, you know, the walking in the word. I'm, I mean, speaking of the Ten Commandments, you know, not trying to, trying to avoid breaking the Ten Commandments as well as doing whatever it is Christ tells you to do, honoring others with your time and your energy and so on. But know that the only condemnation that we should fear is that of the Father. And there's no condemnation even from him if we're under Christ Jesus. Who do you say that I am? You have no excuse, friends, because you've heard that there's a name that you've got to know. Not only do you've got to know it, but he has to know you. And I pray that you know that he is Yeshua, the son of the living God. He has the keys to the kingdom. You'll see that there. We'll, we might look at that next week. Um, but he has the keys to the kingdom, and the key is the word of God. You have all the answers you need in that book if you'll apply it to your life. His name is Jesus Christ, codename Yeshua, and he brings no condemnation, only salvation to any who would believe. So will you believe and will you follow? And can you answer the question truthfully when it's just you in your mind and you're at home and you're doing your thing and you're having your thoughts and your, your thoughts of wickedness and your anger and bitterness that you harbor for whatever thing you got your thing going on or whatever besetting sin that controls you and, and owns you when you're there can you answer that question who do you say that i am as you stand before christ can you answer it correctly he doesn't need you to tell him who he is but you need him to save you by the power of his name isaiah 28 16 says behold i lay in zion a stone for a foundation a tried stone 
a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be ashamed. And I pray that you believe today. I pray that you hear the, the word of God and that it convicts your spirit, that you can answer that question clearly. I know maybe that seemed like a, a simple word, but I pray that it was the word that God had for us today. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we prepare to um, take communion with one another in the fellowship, Lord, I pray if there's a root of bitterness, a root of dissension, a root of discord anywhere in this fellowship, Lord, um, that you would work that out first. I thank you, Lord, for your sending of your son, Yeshua, who has the power to take away sin from men because you poured your wrath upon him and all the sins of all of man forever. And in that, you freed us to live outside of condemnation. Have mercy on us, Lord. As we read your word and hear your word and, and sing songs to you, Lord, have mercy on us as fallen people. Convert us, Lord, and use us for your glory. Thank you for your care for us, Lord. If anyone here today does not know you, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Grateful for these that have come, Lord. Speak to them in their spirit, Holy Spirit, I pray. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. We'll